G'day boys and girls, welcome back to your favourite podcast. Today I'm joined by two big time fighters on my left, Charles Joyner, how are you my friend? I'm very good. Uh, Kyle Maestri. Good too. And well. uh, co-host Alex Cameron over there on the left hand side, good to have you here mate. Thanks, I was going to introduce it as uh, two of the deadliest men in Australia and uh, Charles Joyner and Kyle Maestri. Hey. But, um, Actually, uh, you took the intro, so there we go. There we go. We are broadcasting right now from Evolution Gym, Rouse Hill. You can see the big sign up the back. It's got a, quite a nice logo. Charles is uh, your manager here? Yeah, yeah, gym manager, coach as well. Yeah. Kyle, yeah, you a trainer or a coach as well? You coach yeah, as well. Yeah, one of the coaches, yeah. yeah. One of the coaches. I've seen Kyle here um, or at the other gym doing the personal training for the girls. They're looking pretty lethal <laughs> um, while he was preparing for his last fight. Now, What's kind of special about today is that both these boys have had big fights uh, recently and we're hoping to get a bit of the breakdown, post-match analysis, um, as well as some general uh, you know, life goings on uh, today. So Charles' fight uh, was first, well, is that like a month ago? I think it was three weeks on Saturday, so about three and a half, yeah. Three and a half weeks ago, <laughs> and this belt is the K1 Cruiserweight. We're super light heavyweight, we found out on the night, didn't we? Super light heavyweight. That's what yeah. I said, yeah. Yeah. Band. Super light yeah. it does sound a bit cooler than Cruiserweight. Yeah. It's sort of, but there's a few, a few too many it. words though. There's a few too many words. It's a bit wordy. Arguably know. too many divisions overall. But. Like I feel like the light, the super cancels out the light, you know. Right. They, they mutually cancel so out. So might as well just say heavyweight. But. Yeah, say super heavyweight. Yeah. Um, and so that's the belt that he won in Tugley. Um Kyle was in the corner of Charles. What yeah. did you think about yeah. the fight from the uh, from a coach oh, uh, corner was, perspective? Like, it's a perfect fight for us. Um, like everything went to plan. Uh, everything that we've been training leading up to it. Um, like we were able to do everything that we wanted to do in the fight. Mm. Yeah. What did you think, Charles? Charles did well. What What was the game plan going in going into that fight? So uh, the game plan was basically we wanted to keep distance and um, you know just make just. Use, use Charles's range and uh, distance against him. We knew um, the guy's going to be probably probably a little bit scared after the way that first fight happened. So, um, yeah, but we wanted to mix it up a little bit. We didn't want to um, finish him in the first round this time. So mm. we thought we took our time and take mm. him apart a little bit more. Mm. Now, before we have Charles jump in, because I'm keen to get your thoughts on it, got, um, a little bit of context. It was against Mackenzie Cunningham, who was, who was the previous champion. Um, and while we're doing some analysis, I would like to give a bit of a shout out to Mackenzie because I thought he fought really well. Mm. Um, it was a tough five rounds, but Mackenzie was still going hard even through the fifth round. Mm. Um, he was still landing a couple of shots, even though we all say Charles was in control for, for the fight. Um, so I thought he fought really well as a credit to himself and he, he um, definitely bounced back well from his first fight. Yeah. Um, but Charles, what did you think about the fight overall? No, I think straight afterwards I thought like it's one of those funny ones. You don't. It's, it's a bit of a blur. The main thing that I have to say about it is just the atmosphere coming out was just insane. Like I've just never experienced anything like it. I think that's the main thing I'm taking away from it as a as a positive. Because I, like I said before, the title and the belt can mean so much, but without having all that support, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean as much, you know. So yeah, just it just the atmosphere just felt thick. So trying to focus through that was probably the first challenge, but. I think after the first, you know, the first round, the first exchange, I could feel that he was, you know, he wasn't as confident. He was a bit nervous, but um, no, I was happy with it. Like I was, the game plan was the first round, see how he'd come out, and I could see straight away that he was sort of, 
very tight, trying to cover up, defending against those body shots, so the head was a bit more open. But I could see that all he was really looking to land was just a big, like a big overhand, a big left hand. So yeah, I just broke, yeah, just felt broke him down, feel him out as the rounds went on. I think third and fourth is when I really started to open him up. I started changing levels a bit, going to the body. And then yeah, fifth round, I sort of, I knew I had the fight won, so it was just a matter of just, just cruising through. But um, yeah, I think really, like first round knockouts are good, but I've said, I've said before, I think it leaves a lot of ambi- ambiguity because you know people can say it's a fluke or whatever, but if you dominate someone for five rounds and you don't really get them a look in and there's, there's a no point in the fight where it looks like they're going to be able to take control, then there's not much more you can say after that. Like there's, there's not going to be a call for a rematch or there's no more questions left to be answered. So I was happy with, I was happy with it in that respect, yeah. Mm, great. Because it was, it was a good fight to watch and it was, it was, it was a technical exhibition from, mm. from Charles. Um, but you mentioned the support there. Mm. There was a lot of boys came up from, uh, <laughs> it was like an hour and a half out of Sydney mm. or something. A lot of them in the team joiner t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, DM Charles if you want one. Um, <laughs> But how did how did that feel having uh, all those boys come up? Oh, it's just yeah. Like I knew, so I knew obviously I'd I'd sold a lot of tickets before the fight, so I knew there'd be people there. But you never know what the atmosphere is going to be like because I didn't really know what they were going to be walking into. So I didn't know if you know if they'd be a bit nervous walking into sort of enemy territory where he might have a, have a lot of crowd. But as soon as I walk out. It was just just a just a thick wall of noise just sort of met me, and when we were in the ring and both of our both of our supporters were sort of chanting, it was just it was it was pretty surreal. Just staring like we were st- like that face off, and you could just feel sort of that that noise around you. And then yeah, just afterwards, just seeing everyone, how much everyone was just so like the emotion coming forward. Like I think that's the main thing. It was just everyone was so passionate. Like it was it 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 was genuine support. Like it wasn't just people there just watching and being oh yeah well done it was actually people like showing emotion and being genuinely excited and like over the moon about what was going on in front of them I think that was yeah something that I'll just yeah be able to hold on to forever like I think not many people get to experience that so I feel really blessed that I've already you know so early on been able to experience that sort of feeling yeah everyone was super hyped yeah um it was good to see and fun to be a part of for us yeah um There was that um, when Joiner Joiner came out and there was the uh, there was the Joiner chance coming from Team Joiner around yeah. and then from the from the from the other side of the uh, of the ring we, we started getting some McKenzie chance yeah. um, and there was a good little back and forth there yeah, um, but at the end I think everyone was really happy with the fight yeah like everyone appreciated both um, yeah definitely both teams well just the the fact that he took the rematch you know like like we're both like we're like we're amateurs like we're probably more heading towards being more experienced amateurs now but we're still amateurs still pretty fresh to the game so to sort of be brave enough to take a rematch against someone that's like caused you quite a like because he was in he was in a lot of pain after the last one like the liver shot isn't pleasant so to be able to dedicate you know 12 8 12 weeks training and just focusing on that fight like it takes a lot of takes a lot of courage so just the fact that he got in there again for the fight was was you know you got to commend him for that yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, big shout outs to uh, to Mackenzie Cunningham and definitely. and those boys up there. Um, so you just got the belt. Uh, do you have to defend this belt a few times, or or what are you looking to do over the next um, think, the next little while? Yeah, so I think what what I want to do and what we've been talking about 
with my coach Adrian is just go go for a go for a bigger belt. So something I've got my eyes on is to go for an Oceania title. So we're just yeah talking to different people, trying to get that in the works. Maybe going over to New Zealand. Um, yeah, because I just want to just see. You know, in, the, in your amateur career, it's about, it's about challenging yourself and putting yourself in those tricky situations. So I feel like this time, you know, this time I went into en- enemy territory, but I had a lot of my fans with me. So it'd be cool to go to another country, fight the, their hometown person there and just, you know, Beat challenge bad guy. Exactly, yeah. Challenge yourself. Challenge yourself in that way. But yeah. yeah. So okay. I think that, that, that's what I would like to do next. But if any good fights that challenge me come up here, you know, interstate or whatever then yeah just have a look at those but, but yeah. yeah do you have to defend uh, is it like a requirement for you to defend it to be honest I'm not really sure I think like I think I think Mackenzie defended it I think he might have had I think he defended it tw- at least twice so he won it and then defended it twice but I'm not sure what the if there's any you know obligation to like yeah. I mean I would if but once then again if the fight doesn't challenge me, then I'd rather step up because this isn't the end goal, you know. This is just like the first of many. So I'd rather just yeah keep taking levels up, challenge myself, than say taking a step down and defend it against someone that I feel like it's not an interesting fight or it's not yeah definitely. an exciting fight. Okay, well, that sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. Before we jump on to um, Kyle's fight, Alex, did you have any reactions, headline reactions to to join his fight and that? Uh that experience? I thought the whole uh, the card was actually pretty good overall, I'll say. There were a couple of um, real slugfests on there. Mm. Um, a couple of guys who got beat up pretty bad. Um, I think overall it was good fun. It was a good experience and I would encourage anyone who's um, around in like a, a time or an area where there is one of those kind of more amateur cards on um, going about that I would say definitely go and, go and have a look at it because it is good fun mm. and it's a good, it's a good atmosphere because they pack out like a relatively small area but the atmosphere is, is great yeah. um, I'd also say if you want to take a look at the fights um, mm. Carnage House Productions has the full fight on YouTube um, so check that out if you want to see Charlie going at it for five rounds but um, I think it was um, pretty comprehensive mm. victory I would say massive shout out to Mackenzie but mm. um, Mm. I think definitely the better fighter mm. one. Mm. One little point, I loved the um, one of the, one of the earlier fights where there was the, there was a fight between these two guys, um, and one of them was pretty ripped, and this other guy was a bit chubby, had a bit of a dad bod, <laughs> and when he walks in, you're like, oh, I don't know, this guy surely can't compete. Um, but he ended up, he had a great great heart, and he was still slogging it out to the end. He came away with the W. So for all those he boys some, with, the, had some technique with the dad bods got, out there, if you got your technique, you can still come away against those uh, athletic boys. So that's, um, that's one for the big boys out there. Um, so Kyle had a big fight. Um, is Kyle Maestri. Uh, you can look him up, Kyle Maestri, martial artist, on Facebook page, right? Yeah, and you've got your Instagram, Kyle Maestri. Um, we'll throw joiners in the description as well. Um, now, Kyle, if we're actually honest, is a mixed martial arts fighter. Um, but one week after Joyner's fight, Kyle took uh, a pretty short notice uh, kickboxing title fight. Um, but what's really interesting is that a couple of weeks, a few weeks before that fight, Kyle had uh, not only an amateur fight against that, that went for uh, was three, it three rounds three against rounds. Um, a tough guy, but then on that same card fought... Um, for the title, 
Um, well, it, it's a bit of a co- complicated situation. Why don't you run us through what, what happened yeah. in the lead up to, to, to the title oh. fight recently and, and yeah. how that first night went? Yeah, yeah. All right. so, that, uh, so that first night I was scheduled to fight uh, Cody Bullock in a kickboxing fight. Um, we were we were matched up a while ago. It didn't end up working out, but so we got matched up again, and that was what April, um, March something. Yeah, March ninth. Yeah, March ninth. That was. So we ended up going for three rounds. It was a pretty tough fight. That was. Um, like shout out to him. He did a real good job. Good dominant victory. And, um, yeah, I think like uh, again, I think I dominated the three rounds of that fight, even though it was you know it was hard hard fought. And then, um, so there was a title fight set that fight um, at 70 kilos, or like just under 70 kilos or something. And one of the one of those guys were injured, and he ended up not being able to fight. So they were looking for a replacement for him, like on the night. And um, they had a couple guys in mind. Both of them, you know, they were just battered after their fight, so they couldn't go again. And I felt pretty good after I fought, so I thought I'll jump in, I'll um, I'll fight, I might as well, um, like I'm ready to go. So you had the adrenaline running through you still. Yeah, <laughs> and bear You're in mind the ring. that yeah. seventy that seventy kilo title fight like what ten kilos heavier than what than what you yeah, were weighing at. He, he was ten kilos heavier than me, like on the weigh-ins and on the night, he was like 10, 11 k's heavier than me as well. So like he was, he was a big jump up weight. Well. Yeah, big guy. He was yeah. Like if you see the photo on like you see the photo that I put up on Instagram of him, um, like you can see the size difference between us. And um, ended up going five rounds with him as well, and I lost by a split decision. So, you so know, that's two you know, judges for the other guy, one judge, one judge for, you. for me. Yeah. So yeah. like you can see that just by that result, it ended up being a pretty close fight as mm. well. So what title was that for? Uh, that was for a Muay Thai fight, uh, Muay Thai title, um, like national title. Right. Yeah. Full Thai rules. Right. Yeah. I think it's super well to weight or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sixty-nine and a half kilos. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, then after that, um, it was a couple of days after that, um, so Adrian was talking to the promoter for War on the North Shore, which was it, my Adrian's last your coach. Yeah, Adrian, the head coach. Makes um, an appearance on Charlie John and Stay in the Life. Yeah, yeah, he does indeed. So um, he chatted to the promoter over there, and we set up this um, K1 state title fight. Um, so it was four weeks after that previous night where I fought twice. So the lead-up to that was pretty interesting like the first week I was pretty battered up from my fights so like I took the first week off training just to let myself rest up and then the second week like I think what halfway through the week I ended up getting sick so uh, you know I couldn't train properly for like another week and a half so I ended up being like I only had a week of like good training I feel to to get my fitness back up to where it should have been and um, all that so it was a bit of a rough um a rough lead up to that fight for me. Um, and when when your when your fitness is at that elite level, like a, a, getting sick sounds like nothing like getting a cold, but it really like it would chop down, you know, what your level of fitness is at because it's so high. Like it's it's you're so conditioned that any little yeah. effect, even taking a few days off, like you feel it the next day. So a week and a half of sickness, like you feel you and mentally, it's hard. It's hard to to overcome that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, like uh, definitely mentally was probably yeah. the biggest part because I kept, like, I kept stressing about you know whether I, I'd have enough time to get my fitness back up to where it should be and you know whether I'd have enough time to train properly and get myself prepared. But um, like in the end, I felt like I still felt like I was in pretty good shape on the night of the fight. Like 
I was feeling pretty sharp and like pretty fit leading into it still. It was just when we got in the ring that it went downhill for me a little bit. So mm. yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't my best performance. But. Right. Well, I was I, I went to the fight. I've got a vlog coming out. We're still editing it up. Um, look, it was it was a tough fight. Um, but even towards the end, you had you still had some really good shots, some nice combinations coming in. Yeah. Um, what? Well, Charles, you were in the corner. What, what, what were your thoughts on, on the fight overall? So, well, overall, like, I think if you, if you didn't know Kyle and you watched the fight, you think, okay, yeah, it's a decent performance. But I think knowing what Kyle's capable of and how he usually fights, like, I was, like, it, like it was a bit frustrating being in the corner because it it's like watching someone that you know fights at a certain level but for whatever reason was holding back on the night. Um, I think when Kyle was pressing forwards and initiating first, he was getting the better of him. He was a better fighter, a better striker. But what, what was happening is that Kyle was just holding back a little bit and letting him initiate, which was then getting in the points. So I think like it could be down to, I think the main reason is probably, um, and we've chatted about it a bit, like you didn't have, probably didn't have the confidence in your fitness. So going five yeah. rounds, like you are gonna hold back a little bit. And because he was aggressive, that just looks really good to the to the judges when you're when you're holding back a bit and they're coming forward. But in the end, it's a, it's all a learning experience. Like I said, amateur. Like it's not Kyle's main discipline. Like Kyle's, you know, like his striking is probably his strength. But he's an MMA fighter, so coming up against one of the best, well now the number one kickboxer in the state for that weight class, going five rounds with him, hanging with him the whole fight. Like it wasn't an uneven fight at all. So it's only, it's only just valuable experience in the bank, those sort of things. And just the mental gains that you'll get from that as well, I think you can take away. But in terms of the fight, it's, yeah, it sort of doesn't show what, what Kyle's truly capable of, I don't think. But there's still positives you can take away. You yeah. know? So now we know how your fighting style works well for you and, and sitting back and just being a counterfighter doesn't work as well. So you just learn those little lessons and you can adapt from that as well. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, sure. I think on that on that point I think like the uh like the mental aspect again was a big thing. Like I feel I think um thinking about how I went into that fight mentally, I think there was some things that I need to fix up a little bit, like, you know, maybe not be too relaxed before the fight or um you know, so definitely some things to mm. to fix up. How did you find um you, uh, uh, my understanding was that you needed to drop quite a bit of weight as well um, for that fight. Was that true? Yeah. So I, how I, did you find? Uh, always got to drop the weight. How yeah. did you? How did you find that weight cut? Because yeah. I was hearing from Dukes. I think Dukes. Yeah, I remember when I went to um when I went to Kyle's at at Castle Hill week before the fight. Yeah. Um, and you like um, I've got like six and a half kilos to lose, but I reckon I can sweat out five. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was like, oh my god, this kid's gonna die. Um, <laughs> But you, you managed to do it, and um, you said you were feeling good before the fight. What yeah. was that weight cut like? I got, oh, I was like pretty shit, really. Like, um, <laughs> it was what, like I think three weeks before the fight, I was like sixty nine kilos. Sixty nine kilos. Just because a week before that, you were fifty nine point five. Yeah. Fighting for <laughs> when you were fighting. Fighting, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I put on quite a lot in that week, and yeah. then I had to just cut it all off again. What's the um, what's 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 the sweating part of it like when you have to sweat out weight? Because uh, well, most people wouldn't had never seen that or heard of that yeah. before. It, it's pretty like it's pretty tough and like honestly like it's a pretty shit thing to go through. Um, so I had like four and a half kilos 
of water weight to lose. So the day before weighing in. What I did was I got to the gym early and um, I just rugged up, you know, had my trackies and my hoodie on and that and just hitting the bag on the bike, skipping and that and just trying to sweat out, um, like get a sweat, sweat on. Mm. And I ended up sweating out like two, close to two and a half kilos on that night alone in the span of about like two to three hours, I think. Right. So um, I was like losing, losing weight well. And then the rest of the weight came off um, just doing a hot bath. Right. So I did, like I did one when I got home that night and I lost like another like 0.8 or uh, something. Like I yeah. lost quite a bit away from that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I did like, I did my sweat session and then I did, I think two hot baths it was. Yeah. And I was like, I was on weight. And then did you have to weigh in the next day? Or uh, waiting that night? Nah, so, um, so the sweat session I did day before right. I did one hot bath like on the day of the weigh-in right is it um how what does it feel like when when you're down a few kilos of water weight oh that sucks like the worst part about it is just having to dry mouth right like I constantly I just want to drink some water but I know I can't yeah and yeah like, like your body just feels shit like the stomach feels shrunken up a little bit and like it's just not a good feeling really yeah but um so then after you weigh in, how long do you have between the weigh in and the fight? Uh, so like 24 hours. 24 hours. That. Yeah, a bit, bit longer. So, yeah, we, we had a bit longer, yeah. So then you drink, so you, how much do you reckon you put on before the actual fight in that 24 hours? Probably like four, four, maybe five kilos. You'd hope you'd put on all your water weight back, you know, like, yeah. if you do it properly, that's, you should. Yeah, that's ideally what you want to do. That's the most important thing. Mm. Yeah. So, like, I didn't weigh myself before the fight, so I'm not sure what I weighed on the day. But like I know, um, I tried to pace myself with my um, with what I ate and what I drank after the weigh-in to make sure that like I'm absorbing all the water I can and trying to rehydrate like to the best that I could. Uh, yeah, that I could. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So we had um, two two big performances. But what do you think is um, the future holds for you? Are you going to pursue the kickboxing road or the MMA road or a combination? Do you have any, any preference or are you still thinking about it? I'm not too sure. Like I want to go, like MMA is my main goal, but I think um, from seeing how I performed in my last few fights, I think I might, uh, I might want to clean up my kickboxing a little bit more, even right. if it's not a kickboxing fight, just focus on my, focus on my striking a little bit more, focus on my jujitsu. Um, a little more, maybe do some jujitsu comps and uh, make sure that my grappling is up to speed as well. Because um, yeah, my last so three fights were all kickboxing, so it's for a while now I haven't really focused on jujitsu too much. So get um, you know just get back into that a little bit more and really work on my basics. Yeah. Um, so maybe like it might be a couple of months before I get back in the ring or um, and fight again, but I want to make sure all that stuff's up to speed and where I want it to be. Yeah. So you'll be doing your jiu-jitsu and kickboxing stuff here at Evolution, um, or will you? Yeah, so I'll do it, like, I um, do my jiu-jitsu, like, at Evolution and Australian Top Team, but um, my kickboxing is mainly over here at Evolution, like, we'll do a couple classes over over there, maybe, but, um, yeah, yeah, I'll mainly work on that stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks for uh, joining us back after a short intermission. Um, we've got a few things left to cover. One of them is we, we definitely want to cover a huge and interesting UFC 236 where we saw two massive title fights, almost as big as the ones of Charles and Kyle. Um, almost. Almost. Um, 
And before we do, we just like to touch, uh, you know, give some credit where credit is due. Charles has been um, getting some non-podcast uh, media attention. <laughs> um, why don't you just give us a little synopsis of, of how that's been going and, and uh, yeah, what, what, what's that situation like for you? Oh, it's, a, it's, it's not too much at the moment, but just the, just the local paper, really, which then feeds into, like, the Daily Telegraph. So um, just before the first fight, we contacted them. No, sorry. Before, yeah, before the title fight, we contacted them just, uh, you know, because you got to do a bit, a bit of groundwork to get your name out there. And they did an article on me. And then, um, and then yeah, they just did a... After the fight, they just wanted to do a follow-up article. So, yeah, just speaking about um, just the fight. And it's good. It's just basically just the local, the local mm-hmm. paper getting around. And then these days, it's all connected to... I guess it stems off from the Daily Telegraph. I don't know if it's like News Corp or whatever that is, but... Mm. But yeah, so well, it is good. Um, it is always good to get the media practice, I think. And yeah. here's a question I've been thinking about. Some people um, have have been going back and forth about like fighters in the UFC, uh, and it's kind of this argument between being a martial artist and being a prize fighter. Mm. Because some people say if you're being a true martial artist, you should always be showing respect and be humble and don't be like trash talking mm. and arrogant and, and this, that, and the other. And then the other argument, which I'm more sympathetic to, is that these guys make a living by taking damage for money, yeah. right? These guys are taking damage. Um, and so if you, what you want to do is you want to maximize the money and minimize the damage, right? Exactly. And the way to maximize the money, as far as a lot of people can tell, is by, you know, make your name for yourself, building up that hype, yeah. um, talking a bit of trash. Like, obviously, big examples are um, Conor McGregor, but uh, other ones we see, we see like Chael Sonnen, Michael mm. Bisping, we see Colby Covington having a go at it. Mm. Um, what do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about that kind of traditional martial art thing of respect and how that translates into, into the fighting for... Um... I think it's just uh, just being real, being who you are, mm. I think. Like, you got people who, you know, maybe they take, take things more personally and uh, they want to talk a bit more trash. Um, like, you know, Connor's good at that. Um, but then I guess you see some guys who aren't good at it, that's not who they are, and they want to go out there and just try to do it for the money, probably like a bit more like Colby Covington, you know, yeah. is not, you know, not succeeding very well with it. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I guess a lot of guys that try to start shit just to try to get their name out there a little bit more, but I don't know, like, if you're that kind of person, maybe go with it, but I think it's just about being real and being who you are. Mm. No, I, I agree. That's it. what I was going to say in terms of, in terms of the trash talking, but there's, there's two sides to it as well. So there's the, you know, there's the media obligations and there's the social media stuff and there's the, the trash talking in terms of that stuff and being disrespectful there, which is purely to make money. And then there's the, the martial arts side of it, which is the actual competition. Now you see a lot of these people say Conor McGregor, um, he, he trash talks a lot in the, in the media and build a big name for himself. But then when he competes, he shows like the utmost respect, do you know what I mean? During the competition, they, they abide by the rules. He always makes weight. You know, he, he's there at the time and place they've decided. In, win, in a victory or defeat, he's, he's humble and he'll, you know, he'll thank his opponent and he'll show all that. So I think they can go hand in hand, the trash talking and the respect. I think but the most important thing is just being who you are. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna build a genuine fan base by being someone that you're not. So. Like with me, like I always, like I'm, like I said before in the last podcast, I'm a lot about like my mindset and being positive 
but also like saying the truth so if I think if I think I'm better than someone else like I'll say like I think I'm better than them I think I'll beat them in this regard or I think I won that fight like I'm going to be honest and be truthful um, but I'm also going to be as positive as possible you know but I'm, I'm not the sort of person that's going to personally attack someone and say oh they're you know they're oh I want to smash them like I, I, I personally dislike them because I try and separate myself from you know those feelings of emotion towards the person I'm fighting yeah, you keep it professional yeah exactly yeah yeah, um, for sure. I think it's a good point, especially about Connor. I think Connor probably actually won a lot of fans after his loss to Nate Diaz in that first yeah. one, where he gave like full credit to Nate, um, yeah. saying Nate did a great job. Didn't make he, excuses. Yeah. yeah, and even after the fight to Floyd, he was saying, um, you know, he, he was he wasn't really happy with the stoppage, but he was still happy to say Floyd was was the better fighter. Exactly. Um, yeah. On the night, um, and you know, sometimes you you definitely have times where you cross the line mm. um, in terms of what's uh, kind of part of the fun and games of it and, and what's actually getting a bit too real yeah um, but I think you know if you're out there that that's that's un- just m- m- might come with the territory I think with we're crossing the line it, it depends on you know who you're talking to because mm. say for example like Connor he would if someone talks to him he would be able to take it all day because he dishes it out yeah. you got someone like Khabib that doesn't trash talk so you could say one little thing to him and he's going to take it personally this and it becomes number one bullshit yeah exactly <laughs> and it becomes a personal vendetta you know yeah. so it's all so That's what what true. is crossing the line it's all it's all relative yeah depending well, we are on the big, person we're big uh, free speech advocates here on the uh, mm. <laughs> we like to separate our politics from our sports but um we like to say say whatever you want and if you're Dana White you can uh, rein that in if you so choose mm. the thing is the thing is though, with the model so the pay-per-view model relies on people buying mm. buying it relies the, on stars yeah. it, it, it relies on stars and it relies on recognisable names and brands mm. and one of the, the one of the ways that like two guys are going to go into the ring regardless if they have respect a lot of respect for each other one of the ways you're going to sell the fight is if you sell it as if these two people don't like exactly. each other, right? Mm. And that's one of the, the oldest tricks mm. in the book. Yeah. So you just make it out that it's a grudge match. Yeah. And, you know, like the stuff that the UFC and Dana White will pretend like he doesn't like it when people cross the line. But I don't think there was a point at which they sold more tickets uh, to the fight than when uh, McGregor threw the dolly through exactly. the bus, yeah. right? And, and you say, everyone yeah. says, well, that, that crossed the line. I guarantee you at that point, there was there was a, no point in that lead up where they sold yeah. more fights when he threw mm. the dolly through the bus. Yeah. Dana's just rubbing his... He's and acting. Dana yeah. says, oh, it's yeah. disgusting, it's disgraceful. Mm. Dana loves it. Well, Dana loves it. I think that's there's definitely some parts of truth to that, but... Like, if you look back at the start, when UFC was starting off, one of the biggest problems they had was that the fighting had such a bad image that in so many places it was illegal to do yeah. MMA and cage fighting. Just cage fighting. So yeah. they had to, like, really try and clean up their image so that people so it would legalise in a lot of places. And it's still, I think, not legalised in, in quite a few places. Mm. In, um, fairness, in fairness, they had so, guys who were juiced up on the gear. Mm. Uh, they had guys who were fighting guys who were, like, Oh, yeah, but they, but they were throwing out... Like, to the public, they were they, they were showing Stefan Bonner and, like, Kenny Florian and, and those yeah. guys who are articulate and, mm. like, can come off to the media as really nice guys. But then, you know, you come back and you've got, like, your Chuck Liddell's and your, uh, your, your boys you really want to throw down. Yeah. Your Diaz's. Um, yeah, yeah the Diaz boys. Um... You know what I found out the other day? I didn't realise. Um, they are like ranked triathletes. Yeah, Like their cardio is ridiculous. Yeah. I was just like, I didn't know how they were able to maintain yeah. such good cardio mm. considering all they That's do That's why is they have the dope. dope bots. Mm. Yeah, but they just, they just like. So I made skinny fat. Mm. Yeah. But it's pretty funny though. Yeah. Because they're ranked triathletes. Well, you see like yeah. the way, you see the way Nate fights. Like he doesn't really, 
hurt anybody with any power shots. He just hits them like a bit like a bit like they both they're smothering. They're both smothering. And you you know that he's not. You know that he's not going to gas out. No, it's like the pressure and the pace. You've got to you've got to finish him. Otherwise, he's going to constantly be there in your face. Doesn't he? Doesn't care how much damage he's taken. He's just they come out of every fight. Yeah, well, McGregor. McGregor dropped Diaz. I think a few times in that first fight. I think um, a couple he was yeah, Diaz was trying to like bait him down to the ground a bit. Right. Oh yeah. Like there's somewhere it's just like he hits his guard and he just like right. Just drops that is it. a classic Diaz tactic where mm. he's just lying there. Yeah. The uh, Anderson Silver mm. one where yeah. Nick's, <laughs> Nick's doing that on the ground. Yeah. Oh, I love the Diaz boys. I wish they were um, fighting a bit more. Like I'm sad they can't like make make a deal with the UFC. They, they, um, they've just you know they they've made good money from the McGregor fight. It's yeah. sort of like that. Where's the motivation lie? Yeah. Know? Definitely. Um, so what did you guys think about the big UFC 236? Um, there was a lot of hype around Israel Adesanya, who, mm. who delivered in a, in a big way. Um, in what a lot, of peop- a lot of people say this is their favourite fight of all time. Oh, yeah. um, I think Brendan Schaub came out and said this is the best title fight I've ever seen. Um, Some people are saying greatest fight I've heard. Like a, even, I think Joe Rogan said greatest fight he's ever seen. No, not Joe. Dana White, I think, said greatest right. fight he's ever seen live. Yeah. Um, we also had the um, Dustin Poirier Max Holloway fight um, at 155, which was um, which was big. But let's first talk about Adesanya. He's um, you know somewhat close to home, fighting out of New Zealand, um, and you know I think he's buddies with like Tai Tuivasa and Tyson Pedro and, and Mark Hunt, and they kind of like this uh, Anzac, Anzac Aussie New Zealand yeah. uh, stand up fighting type mm. of scenario. Um, what did you guys think of the fight and? Adesanya as as a prospect. Well, I think for me, Adesanya, like a lot, of, I watch a lot of his fights, like his early kickboxing fights, I, and a lot of the things I do, like I'll see, because he, he's probably he's probably the greatest striker that's ever been in the UFC, and just even his kickboxing, like you see the way he just absolutely, like what if you if people want to see good good kickboxing fights, K1 fights, watch the king of, the king in the ring, New Zealand's sort of tournaments that he does. And throw the link in the description. Yeah, the way that he just, and that's like that's that's a show that I'd like to fight on in the future as a professional. But um, just the way he breaks down everyone, I, I try and, you know, use a lot of the thing, his, his tactics and his techniques that he uses. So he, he's my boy. And like you said, it was his first real proper sort of ability test. And it's that hype test, isn't it? But there's a few, I mean, a few stages, first round looked a bit rocky. Yeah, second he got and, dropped early. Yeah, he got saved by the cage. Second and third, he looked pretty good. Fourth was a shocking round for him. Like he looked like he was out on his feet. But the the main thing, I think you can have the most ability in the world, but if you don't have the heart to back it up, like it, is, it doesn't matter because you're not going to be you're not going to be in there for long. So the fifth round, the way he came back, you know, pushed through, just picked up to another level, just put the pressure on him, still accurate and picking off with his shots. I think it's yeah. I think it's sort of he's slowly starting to prove that the hype is real. What do you think, yeah. Carl? I think like I agree. I think his his striking ability is just levels above the competition at the moment. Mm. I think like yeah, Gaslam like he dropped him in the first round. They had him rocked a little bit, but I think you see like he took he took some heavy shots, and then after that, I think you see like uh, Adesanya's just diversity with the strikes, like. Gaslam had a like a big like a big right hand. Mm. That's the one he was he was throwing a lot. But um I mean you see Adesanya just mix it up like a lot of different techniques and different um styles that he brought, like that spinning elbow. 
Yeah. I just remembered it. Mm. <laughs> that was... One of the few people who can do well with the spinning shit. Mm. <laughs> Him and John Jones with those elbows. Yeah. But... Um, we might talk about John Jones in, well. in a second. Mm. I, I just thought it was weird. I thought Gastelum was getting, like, yeah, I was saying it got away from a couple of takedowns. I thought he just would have been more persistent towards the end of the fight with trying to get him to the ground. I think um, Adesanya's range management is so... So what you like what you see with the takedowns is, like my understanding of it is that it's... You know, when they actually go for a takedown, they've got to defend against it. That's one step, but that's already... They've already got past one defense, which is actually just the range management. Yeah. So Adesanya's just a master of it. He will just keep you at the end of his range, not even let you anywhere near... You know, it's, and correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, but if, if Gasolum shoots too far out, Adesanya just step back and pick him off, you know. Yeah. You've got to be in that right range yeah. to That's, land a takedown. Yeah. And Adesanya doesn't let people get there. Sure. Yeah. And he was, he did throw a few knees, I think, yeah. when um, Kelvin was shooting in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that would worry him. I just saw, I saw towards the end, like, yeah, so Gasolum yeah, knew yeah. it was on the line. If you hang, like, if you're in the fifth round and, like, you're trading shots mm. with Adesanya, you're not yeah. going to win, particularly if he's. Um, like substantially taller and longer than you. It wasn't like an Adesanya Jones or a Gustafsson or someone like that who's got the range. It was like Gaslam can throw, but he's like, I think he's like in that distance. In that fifth round as well, Gaslam, when Gaslam did almost get a takedown, Adesanya almost submitted him. First with that guillotine, that standing guillotine. Was it fifth or fourth? I don't know, it was one of those latter yeah. rounds. But yeah. And then the other one, and then they, he did take him to the ground and he got him in a triangle and almost submitted him there. So yeah. I thought he was going to finish that triangle. Yeah. Yeah, it did yeah. look. It did was, look. Yeah, it looked like it was locked, it locked up tight. pretty neatly. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, it was tight. Just it, the way he shot out of the guillotine as well, like Gaslam had just bailed. He just pressed the ejector button. It was, yeah, it's crazy. Now Dana says the uh, the next thing for Adesanya is they're going to get a stadium in Australia and put him against Robbie Whitaker. Mm. Now um, I'm I'm of course on that Robbie Whitaker. Um, you know, team, team Whitaker. He's he's an Australian boy, um, and. Kyle, you're a you're you're an MMA guy with a, with a stand up kind of strength. Yeah. What do you think Adesanya has to do against Robbie Whitaker, who's who's super well rounded in yeah. in all the areas? What does well, he have to I do? Think win the fight? I think it's going to be similar to the Gaslam fight. Like you have to use his range and his distance, um, and like just keep Whitaker from getting inside. Because I think uh, Whitaker's strength would definitely be his boxing there. I mean, like he's got amazing like kicks and stuff as well. But I think. Um, for Whitaker's strength is going to be his boxing. I think if he can get past his like front kicks and get inside his guard a little bit, it can. Um, I reckon he can beat him up a bit with his with his hands. Mm. So I think for Adesanya, um, it's going to be similar to the Gastelum fight. Just keep the keep mm. him out, keep him at the uh, long range. Yeah. yeah, keep the front kicks up, long strikes, and yeah, keep him outside. Mm. Okay, what do you think, Charles? Yeah, I think I think the same. I think. To add on top of that as well, just that that the element of the toughness. Like I think the analysts were saying afterwards, you're not going to find many people tougher than Gaslam, but one of them's Rob Whitaker. You know, so Adesanya's just going to have to. It's going to be like we 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 see now he's got heart. You know, like he looks like Will Smith from Hitch after that after the fight. Yeah, like he looked he looked straight away. His face was just completely swollen up and. I think yeah, he's just gonna have to test this hard again. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be hard to finish Whitaker, mm. and Whitaker knows now it's gonna be hard to finish yeah. Adesanya. So either way, it's just gonna be an absolute Whitaker's got cracker. A chin. Yeah, but that Yol Romero, oh my, yeah. Romero, I thought he I think knocked, there's a pretty good knocked out about nine times. Mm. I don't like to throw shade on people, but I think there's a pretty good chance Yol was juiced up 
to the nines in that second fight. Um, Whitaker oh, reckons he was his body was like ten times harder. Like it hurt his hand to punch in the second yeah, fight right. yeah. um, than in the first fight. But um, really? the old, uh, if we have made in real life, I would not <laughs> say <sorry>. that. <laughs> um, I apologize. But it was in. I when you love say, you. Yeah, <laughs> soldier of God. Um, but what you said before, Charles, is interesting about like how not everybody has heart. Um, There's a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's 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 quite interesting to talk about. Is that when Teddy Atlas was on the Joe Rogan podcast, mm. he was talking about Mike Tyson, and Mike Tyson had a handful of losses in his career. But Teddy's saying that um, what Teddy was saying is that Tyson he he says we won in a weird way, yeah. but um, you know he never won he never won one of the fights because mm. in all the fights he won he was just so athletically dominant it wasn't even a competition mm. but whenever it was a competition there was an inch of doubt in his mind they say Tyson folded because um, he wasn't mentally strong now I, yeah any reactions to that? so I think uh, Teddy Atlas like he I don't know him too well but everything I sit, hear him say it's like he's quite outspoken you know whether it's sort of gaining attention um, but I think with someone like Tyson you're not going to get to that level if you don't have heart so he would have gone through tough sparring rounds he would have gone through tough amateur career I think the main thing with Tyson which when you see his career start to crumble was the death of Cuz Diamato yeah. so his sort of main um, his main mentor there and the person that kept him on the straight and narrow just really yeah wasn't there anymore he started living that party lifestyle as a young world champion often does yeah. I think that's Fair what enough. To a yeah, no, exactly. He, he came from, you know, an impoverished place, so. Yeah. Yeah. He's the baddest guy on the planet. Baddest like man. Like 20 something. Most feared man on the most, planet. A disgusting yeah. amount of money. Yeah. He was, um, he was a bad man. He, and he was the first guy really in boxing to get, like, that sort of money. Because he was the first guy that would just, people would just go absolutely yeah. crazy for people him. People wouldn't you know? care who he fights. Um, because they just want to see Tyson. Exactly. Um, the brutal knockouts. Okay, so the second big fight of UFC 236 was Poirier versus Holloway. Yeah. Now, those guys fought before when they were both really young. Mm. I forgot who, yeah. who won that fight. Poirier. Poirier. So Poirier um, won yeah. that first Holloway's one. Holloway's UFC debut. I think right? he was only... Yeah, it was 20. And yeah. then Holloway, yeah. I think, was on... Did Holloway win the Ultimate Fighter? No, he... No. He was... I thought I saw him on the on a season of the Ultimate Fighter. I don't Fighter. think so. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, yeah. um, they were both young, so Poirier won... Um, then both of them lost to Conor McGregor early yeah. in their career um, Holloway then went on like a, a, a very long win streak I think mm-hmm. he had like the 16 lo- yeah one of the yeah. longest if not the longest active uh, winning streak in the UFC up to that Poirier fight yeah um, Poirier I think well he went up to 155 from 140 mm-hmm. um, and then Holloway after dominating the featherweight division um then came up to meet him at 155. So what did you guys think about about that fight and, and about uh, Holloway as some people say the greatest featherweight uh, of all time? Yeah, I think it was definitely a good fight to watch. Like it was, um, like the entire time I think you knew that Poirier had the power advantage and it was just a question of whether Max could, um, you know, get his volume to work and keep pushing forward and keep putting pressure on. But, um, yeah, I think in the end, every time they exchanged, um, like uh, Poirier was landing the bigger shots. Like he just, he just had such power advantage over him. Mm. He's still more damage every time they met. Mm. So yeah, I just thought it was interesting how it was sort of 
Holloway's like the going up a weight class, which is probably more his natural weight class, and his power like he just you know it's like his power like no power sort of came to him from that. It's just that that power disadvantage was just so crazy, and and like you're saying, although Holloway landed more, Poirier's was just doing so much more damage. I think, and I, that first round was just brutal. Yeah. Like the way Holloway hung in yeah. there, Poirier was just accurate, teeing off and in power every shot. Yeah, a lot of big left hands from, from yeah. Poirier. Looked like yeah. Max was um, out on his feet yeah, a couple of he times. Was, he was, yeah. he was, yeah, he's just he tough. was just trouble. Yeah. Once he's I, got that it heart. got pretty close to being stopped yeah. Yeah. Um, a few times. Um, but I thought it was a credit, credit to both of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then we've got uh, Poirier versus Habib. Uh, I think they want to put that in August um, for to to unify the um, the interim and the uh, 155 title. Khabib would be the favourite, the big favourite. Um, do you see any hope for Poirier in that fight? Yeah, I do. I think I think once again, like Khabib, he's there to be hit. I think McGregor, he wasn't in his best shape. I think Poirier is looking so good at lightweight. Um, he's just his weight's just carrying over really well. I think, yeah, I think if if Khabib's there to be hit, I think Poirier would be able to put him away. I think and Poirier's got good wrestling as well, better wrestling yeah. than Connor does. Um, so if you look at the Al, um, Al Quinta fight, yeah. when Khabib couldn't take Quinta down, and like it ended up just being a striking fight. And, uh, exactly, and yeah, Quinto was ally. Quinto, yeah, was teeing off on him at some points as well, you know. Yeah. So um, I think, yeah, if Poirier is in that position, that'd be an interesting fight. I think that'd be that'd be well hyped. I think it's funny seeing how Poirier's matured as well, because I think he was one of those people like his personality really wasn't liked when he first, you know, around that time he fought Connor. Yeah. Like he, he looked a bit, he's a bit young and immature, but now he's sort of grown into that. So that everyone really, really likes him. Yeah, yeah. So I think because he has a kid now in that age, so yeah, he's probably yeah. like grown up a lot, matured a lot for him as well. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 you know, Khabib's super famous for his wrestling, and that that's obviously where his strength is. But um, he 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 dropped Connor in that he landed the biggest shot yeah. in, in that Connor yeah. fight, and that's what Connor said was what what really shook him a bit uh, and why he couldn't really capitalise in on the striking in, in his fight um, but I reckon Khabib might you know might have some pretty good stand up um, yeah. if, if we're honest he, well yeah to be at that level he's going to have he's going to have good stand up is it going to be as good as Poirier's boxing yeah probably not yeah. but then when you've got to defend against those takedowns and that threat of the wrestling it opens up the opportunities to land those shots like yeah. that shot that Khabib threw that's from that's that you know that wrestler's overhand knee lands it well where it's just they're they're looking for that takedown fakes it and comes over the top with the overhand because he's caught their attention with his wrestling threat so that's why MMA is so interesting because there's just so many variables you've got to watch out for yeah um you know Chael Sonnen who who we quite like actually such a good analyst yeah yeah great analyst um he was actually saying um a while ago that Connor, so Connor had like quite a lot of hype when he came into the UFC because uh, he was the champion of like some other promotion and was obviously Age doing Warriors, the, the, yeah, the talking. The talking yeah. man had some um, had some hype around him. Um, and when Holloway and Poirier were both young, the UFC didn't actually think they were that good. Mm. Um, and so the UFC was actually trying to shelter Connor um, in his first few fights to really give build him, up yeah. that buzz. Um, and Connor beat, Connor beat them both, um, but it's only later on in Connor's career that we realise how big those wins actually yeah. are. 
Um, yeah, and exactly. they really bolster up Connor's resume. They've um, they've aged well. Those wins, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, like Connor beat like some really good dudes, and it's it's kind of only after Connor's left that featherweight oh, division yeah. that we saw how good they really are. Well, I think even with that, like you look at that Aldo win. So a lot of people tuned into the UFC around that Aldo win. Yeah. To a lot of people, Aldo is just an absolute scrub that got knocked out in 13 seconds. Yeah, but. He's arguably, you know, the greatest yeah. featherweight of all time. Well, people were talking talking about him as the pound for pound best. He was. He was pound for pound yeah, number one at the time. Yeah. He was undefeated for ten years. No, like he's the only featherweight champion in the UFC. And McGregor just completely got in his head, and yeah, just won the mental battle, knocked him out in thirteen seconds, and that was sort of a lot of people's introduction to the UFC. Mm. So I think going back to the Poirier and Holloway as well, I think they were great prospects, but mentally, probably what those losses did to them was really positive because it was on a big stage you know it got a lot of media attention so you know it's that fight or flight they could either okay run away from the sport you know they feel embarrassed or they can train harder and come back stronger which they both did went on big winning streaks you know um beat a lot of you know legends of the sport and you could you could argue that see that exposure to those those mental battles and those that adversity also helped them along in a way yeah, so, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, why don't we finish up by, you know, we do have to pay respect to, to almost the king of the game, McGregor. Mm. Um, I wonder what you guys think is next is next for Connor. There's a big part of me that actually wants Connor to just hang up the gloves and retire. Mm. I know he would want to fight Habib again because of that pride. Mm. Um, yeah. But if the guy's already made that money and has all that success, I actually don't want him to go in and take all that damage again. No. Like I don't want to. I don't want to see him take years off his life. You know when he doesn't need to if he goes in and actually and gets proper mauled mm. um but that being said i would definitely tune in for a mcgregor fight and the mcgregor fights are always fun um do you guys have have any opinions on it or what you think might be next for the man kyle i don't know not too much like i think like you said he doesn't need to fight anymore like he's got enough money so um if he does like it'd be good to see him like have the heart to fight just because he wants to fight and see that passion in him um but yeah, like I'm not too sure where where he goes. Like his loss against Khabib was pretty, um, like, pretty say like decisive. Yeah. You know, like um, like I don't think a rematch there is really warranted. So it'd be interesting to see where he where he'd go next in, in UFC. But like that being said, if he it'd be cool to see him go fight just because he wants to. You know, just because he has that fire in him. Yeah. I think they offered him Justin Gates. Gaethje. That's Gaethje. Oh, he's a oh, savage. Yeah. He's brutal. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know about, about that. Fight. A little bit. Yeah, I think that would have been an interesting fight. I think. People always talk about Diaz for the third. Yeah, I, I, I can't see that happening. Cowboy's either. getting on a bit, though, now, isn't he? Yeah. He's doing really well. He's got all the records, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. most wins. Yeah. Most fights. Mo- most stoppages yeah. as well, yeah. I think. But um, I think for Connor. I think, yeah, it's sort of, I think it's got to be something that, you know, interests him. Mm. Whether I think the only thing that would interest him right now is that Khabib rematch. Because I don't think like what, so if, so Poir, like Poirier, maybe he lose, if he loses, would you give him maybe Poirier? And then winner of that fights for the title again. If Poirier wins, mm. you know. I wouldn't mind seeing McGregor go back to 140 and fight Holloway again. That, oh, that cut though, yeah. just the, the size of McGregor now. Like just you just look at him, he's huge. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, broad. It's cut. Well. Walk, I reckon he walks around like two hundred. Like he's really? he's massive. He's massive. Yeah. What like five nine? 
Yeah. Yeah. But he's so he's yeah. so he's wide. He's really big for his like. like for his, as he's got older, he's gotten a lot thicker as well. Well, here's an unpopular opinion. I actually thought McGregor um, did his game plan really well. He just couldn't he couldn't execute against what, Khabib. Yeah, against yeah. Khabib. Like what I mean is that I feel like um, <clears throat> Connor and Cav- and Coach Kavanagh and his team knew they were probably going to get taken down and were probably going to get beat up for at least a, at least a part of that fight. Um, but the game plan from what I could see is just to have that stand up long enough, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, and trust McGregor striking that he can put Khabib out if he yeah. can just keep the fight standing long enough. Yeah. Um, now, he survived really well in that first and second round. Like, Khabib was on top of him for like three or four minutes. He had like no damage. Um, and then in the second round, I think it was, it was a bit worse. But McGregor had like that whole third round, five minutes. Of, I don't think they went to the ground once in that mm. third round. Um, but McGregor was just shook from after getting dropped earlier in the fight. Mm. And he, his, sharp, his striking didn't look sharp. Um, but if you're a stand-up guy and you're going into a Habib fight, I think if you, if, if, if you have five minutes of pure stand-up with Habib, you've got to call that probably like a success, right? Mm. Like I thought that was that. That's exactly did exactly what he needed to do. He just couldn't finish. I think the problem with that is that if the game plan is to survive, then you're already going in there with the wrong mentality. Do you know what I mean? You're mm. going in there you're with already that. On the back foot. Exactly. Yeah. You're you're already giving them the mental advantage because you're thinking, okay, well this guy's gonna dominate me. I've got to survive this and hope I can land a shot. Do you know what I mean? So I think I think that right. probably I think Kavanaugh did say that that like there their game plan was too defensive and their preparation was too defensive. I think with a fight, you've got to go in there. You can't just be looking for one lucky shot. If you're going into a fight looking for that, then mm. it's already you've, already you've already lost, in my opinion. I think you've got to go there with an offensive game plan and, and assert your will. You can't play it into their hands. You know, oh, I'm just going to get through the rest. When he takes me down, okay, I'll just get through that round. It's gone. And then I hope that I can knock him out with one shot in the right. second round because the, the odds are just going to be in the other person's favour straight away so and I, I reckon that probably was his game plan I think that's why a rematch I think would be interesting because I think Kavanaugh and that team um, Roddy his striking coach they're, like, they're all they're all masters of their craft so they'll, they'll put a good game plan together I think, I think it could happen but I think McGregor's going to have to fight someone else first before they give him that fight because like it's not warranted at the moment. Yeah. It's not like the fans yeah. want to the the fans want to see it. But at what point does the UFC just go skip all the queue and then go just give the fans what they want? You know. In fairness, he is a, a previous champion. Yeah. He, it's not as if he has no credentials and he's just pure hype. But there's people that like Poirier deserves a shot. Tony, Tony Ferguson deserves yeah, a shot. There's definitely others who are that guy's in line still. Mm. Tony Ferguson. Gaethje even has a has a claim that he. Uh, like he has a shot he could have a shot you know he's just mm-hmm. beating Barboza like if he beat if he fights so an interesting fight would be him and Ferguson yeah um, yeah Ferguson Ferguson's got that his brain he's he's, he's yeah. got um, he's, so he's got some personal stuff going on um, mm. he has a gas tank though that mm. guy yeah. oh yeah he's, he's crazy and that's part of his thing um have you seen the video on YouTube of like uh, Ferguson being Ferguson for like seven minutes? Yeah, and just him doing like <laughs> funny stuff in like the gym and stuff. Yeah. But he does like on fight week as well, isn't it? Yeah, like he's like. But he has like some really interesting movements and angles and stuff. Mm. And like, I think in some of his stuff, he in some of his fights, he even did some Wing Chun, like some hand trapping. Oh, yeah, and stuff. he does. He's <laughs> yeah. got that. Mo- you know the. I'm not sure what it's called, but it's that Wing Chun 
machine, like a yeah, training yeah, device yeah. with the sticks. Yeah. And it's all that. Yeah. And yeah. He's, yeah. he's just training it for hours. Going. Well, I've, yeah. I've heard stories of on podcasts of him, like he'll, he'll train for seven hours in a row. Yeah. And like he'll just it's train like through Arnold sessions. Yeah, Charles Sonnen said that um, Tony Ferguson would, uh, he's the only guy who he's seen like go through like five or six training partners and then just keep going. Yeah, like, he will just... gas everyone out mm. and then um, he will literally be looking around the gym and pick anyone, mm. like a random mm. guy, even if he's 30 kilos heavier than him, mm. say, okay, yeah. come on, let's have a spar. Yeah. Like yeah. his tank is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, apparently Habib never loses a round in training. Like that's what Rockhold and DC are saying. Um, when Habib goes and trains with them. That's what I was thinking. Is that might that whole Mike Tyson thing might come back into it? Because what happens when, say, maybe he comes up against someone like Ben Askren? Maybe yeah. Ben Askren. I'd love to see that yeah. fight. And Ben Askren, maybe he he takes him down. You know what happens then? What happens to Khabib's mentality if he thinks, okay, shit, like yeah, Askren I, would probably be one of the only guys who could stick with Khabib on the mm, ground in well, in the MMA world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kevin Lee reckons he can. He's been calling out Khabib for ages. Kevin Lee, I reckon, gets um, ass kicked. But um, <laughs> he lost recently, didn't he? Who did he fight recently? He lost to um Al Iaquinta in the rematch. Oh yeah, he lost to Iaquinta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Lee talks a lot. Yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Askren. Askren's been calling for it. He wants it in Russia, but oh. Askren reckons he can't drop to fifty five. Yeah, one six, even, one though he's, even though. Even though he's pretty fat, I think, <laughs> I think he doesn't want to drop to one fifty. Well, I think right, yeah, he's just everyone knows Khabib could make, yeah. like, could fight at one seventy. Yeah, yeah. Like, he has a tough cut to one fifty five. Yeah, but I'll just, I think a lot of people would be so interested in in that grappling match. That'd be the be first time that it'd be like one of the first times that it'd be like two really pure grapplers and people. Yeah. There'd be a lot of hype around it. Um, yeah, the cameras. Askren, um, like, Askren still hangs in some. Like Olympic wrestlers, I think. Like he's got his own wrestling school, which he runs. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was an Olympic, re- isn't he? Yeah, he went to Olympic gold medal. Was he Olympic gold medalist? Uh, I don't know if he's gold. I don't know if he's gold, but he wasn't. He had a whole bunch of um, like uh, yeah. uh, titles or like um, mm. North American titles and stuff. Mm. Um, but that was the whole thing with the Robbie Lawler stoppage. It was like even though he, it was stopped, it was That's like a weird fight. It was a weird fight, but it's like yeah. where was that going? Yeah. Askren has like the tightest squeeze the in that big, division. The by big the yeah. Herb Dean reckoned it was it was a neck hack, and he's seen the people way. lose yeah um, like yeah, feelings in their legs and stuff. The way yeah. you see the way you see his arm mm. like yeah. drop, it looks like he was out. Yeah. Well, Herb's just saying you can't take any risk with that. Yeah, like if you there. see the yeah. arm drop like that, you're not getting any response. Yeah. What do you what do you the ref's got to jump in because if he doesn't and he goes oh no I wouldn't give them a chance and this guy gets brain damage or paralyzed yeah. what happened so and then so Herb what, what Herb did what well, that's what was the right for him that's well. what the ref exactly. for he said exactly. like on the, um, he was on the Joe Rogan experience and what he said was like in a situation like that like you've got to use your knowledge like mm. it, it like in what like who would in a choke drop their arm like that? Like mm. what's he trying to do? It's not the natural. Yeah. If he's still, yeah. if he's still um, conscious and he still knows what he's doing, what yeah. is he doing dropping his arm like that? You know, yeah. like no one does that. Mm. It's not. Like it's not a normal defense. movement. It's not yeah. something that you're yeah. taught to do necessarily. You know, it's yeah. yeah. I think in my. I thought the stoppage was fine. You know. Yeah. Well, Herb gets a shout out. He's probably the best referee. He's the gold standard. Um, After John, I yeah. say Big John McCarthy's number one, but he's, he's retired though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. I think doing like analytic, like commentating. Yeah, 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 over in Bellator, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, I tell you what, I'd love to do this again. I've um, floated the idea of having like a, an MMA show, yeah. Uh, yeah. semi regularly, which could be fun. Um, For sure. And you know, Just chuck some kickbox glory kickboxing in there as some well. Glory kickboxing in. 
Um, well, Charles can be the specialist. We'll have the um, the evolution yeah. breakdown, like the Gracie breakdown. Nice. Um, but um, no, let us know what you think. We'd be we'd love to hear what you think about um, those those title fights um, that we that we discussed, and um, hopefully you can tell us what you think about Kyle and, and Charles's fight as well, because um, they'll be up on our YouTube. Kyle's vlog, well, the vlog of Kyle Maestri's fight will be up shortly. Um, that's currently in in editing um, but thanks for thanks for sticking with it can I give a couple of shout outs quickly give a whole lot of shout outs alright so so a couple couple of sponsors first one MMA Fight Store provide all my gears so they're down, down in Concords and also a new sponsor I got on board for the last fight T-Rans Rentals so they've just opened up a whole new bunch of um, locations around Australia and basically yeah just affordable rentals car rentals vans minibuses stuff like that so check them out guys thank you for your support it means a lot and yeah it helps me to continue living the dream so yeah cheers yeah Carl, any i don't have any sponsors at the moment if anyone wants to sponsor kyle yeah jump, jump on board, board give before, me a message yeah. before he blows up i'll just give a shout out to all the guys i train with evolution gym australian top team all the boys down there um mm-hmm. yeah all right, full credit to the boys. Shout out Joe Rogan because he hasn't got one this podcast. So. Uh, Joe Rogan on that and um, Lawler Askren stoppage changes every single no. time he has a new guest on. Because he's, I'm, I'm happy with he's, his honesty. He's a man though. of the people. I'm happy with his honesty. Um, yeah. Okay, well, we'll see you next time. This has been fun. Yeah. It's been good fun. Yeah. It's been fun. Yes. Um, so check these boys out. We'll put their socials in the description. Um, if you like our stuff, you can check us on Patreon. Um, Shameless plug, we give us some money. Um, (laughs) We'll see you guys later. See ya. Laters.